Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Arsenal Women Arsecast on Arsblog.com, the best podcast dedicated to the Arsenal women's team, which I can say with a lot of confidence because it's the only podcast dedicated to the Arsenal women's team. You're joined by your host, me, Tim Stillman. Um, Unfortunately, Pippa can't join us this month. Um, Things a little bit crazy at the moment, as I'm sure you are all well aware and experiencing yourselves. And Pippa has um, a pair of young sons um, at the moment who all of a sudden are at home quite a lot. So she can't be with us this month. But nevertheless, the show must go on. The show will go on. Um, A little bit later down the line, we'll be talking to Arsenal defender Louise Quinn. But first, we are joined by the marvellous Dr. Carrie Dunn academic, broadcast, journalist and author of two books about the England Lionesses, The Roar of the Lionesses and The Pride of the Lionesses. Carrie, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. We've been uh, we've been planning this for some time and uh, I, I, I wanted to choose carefully a subject to get you on uh, on the podcast about and then lo and behold, uh, you made me aware of a, a paper that you wrote um, in the wake of it was the 2012 olympics right Mm, that's right um about kind of role modeling in in women's sports and particularly women's football um and i just thought that was a really interesting subject to have a podcast on not least because um i think this isn't something that just applies to female athletes i think all successful women and indeed successful people from underrepresented groups you know there's this almost additional labor we ask of them to be role models um and and i think that's a really interesting subject to explore to to warm up um can i start just by asking you um the paper that you wrote on this uh, subject that you sent to me uh, that aroused mm-hmm. my curiosity Perhaps what made you write it and what made you curious about this subject? Yeah, of course. So, yeah, as you say, I wrote it in the wake of London 2012 um, and I'd been covering London 2012 uh, as a journalist. And obviously I'd covered the Women's World Cup the previous year and I'd covered the Women's Ashes and you know lots of, lots of women's sports events. And it was just striking to me the number of times um, media coverage was talking about these women as role models. And this was happening... Um, particularly in the Team GB football. And it was kind of the first time the women were really being on the front pages. I remember a picture of Steph Horton being on the front page of the tabloids. Um, And I remember Henry Winter wrote an article in the Telegraph and a big chunk of the report was about how the squad stayed around after the end of the Brazil match, signing autographs, taking pictures, talking to fans. And that's how he kind of summed up the day. It wasn't about the football. It was about the fact that these women were so accessible. 
And of course, it came um, the year after the launch of the WSL, and there was a big emphasis then on the accessibility of the players. Uh, you probably remember, if you cast your mind back 10 years, this idea of digital ambassadors in each squad. Yes. There was one player who was kind of in charge of all the social media, and she was the one who was kind of the, the link person. And it was just... This, as you say, it's expected of women athletes and women in a lot of industries that they kind of represent all women. And it's this kind of idea that they should be accessible and kind of nice to children and kind of um, really approachable. And it's, it's almost the idea that these top athletes aren't really top athletes. They're just the girls next door. They're, they're like any of us. And I think... That is kind of really, really apparent in some of the London 2012 coverage. Um, if you remember the way that um, Jess Ennis was covered, and she was always kind of put across as, as the girl next door. A lot of her advertising now is still that kind of girl next door kind of thing. You're like, she's an absolute freak. She's one of the best athletes there's ever been. She's really good at all these different disciplines. She's not the girl next door. She's absolute sporting genius. But um, yeah, so this coverage was all kind of talk about role models and this Henry Winter article in particular struck my uh, imagination. And I thought it'd be interesting to actually talk to athletes. Um, the project started off talking to footballers and cricketers, but the paper I sent you was just about the footballers. Mm. Um, women who had been in uh, quite often the uh, World Cup squad of 2011, um, also the Olympic squad of 2012, and asking how they felt about kind of being presented as role models, whether they saw it as a privilege or a chore or a responsibility, whether they were aware of it, and um, if they were aware of it, how it actually manifested itself. Um, what, was it a distraction from football? How did that work you know, in their day-to-day -day lives? And to talk to players about this was absolutely fascinating. Um, yeah, they were so often um, the footballers of the time. So I know I'm saying of the time, like it's like a million years ago, it's eight years ago. But um, uh, a I week think feels might... like a million years ago. At the oh moment. goodness, doesn't it just? Um, but yeah, they were kind of talking about it as if it was a huge privilege that they loved it, they relished it. They, you know, just being invited into schools to present trophies, being visible to small children, the fact that they're professional footballers and they're women, and you can meet them and talk to them. They thought that was really important because that was something that they hadn't had themselves as young children and this kind of came up again and again and to talk to these footballers about it was just yeah it's absolutely intriguing for me and uh, I mean just going slightly off beam really brought memories flo flooding back there with the digital ambassadors thing and they used to actually the digital <laughs> ambassador used to have I think the Twitter logo on their arm initially that's right which I'm told they had to swiftly remove <laughs> for copyright reasons um, which is part of the reason they did away with the digital ambassadors um, so there there's there's some kind of very very old inside info um, I, I guess like this you know the the idea that, that that women's footballers and women's athletes are, are role models kind of the real root of it is it it because because male footballers are asked to be role models but in a different way i think because it's kind of mm -hmm. assumed um that young boys will take up sport like nobody's asking Lionel messi to inspire the next generation of of male footballers because that's yeah. kind of assured um whereas with kind of young girls there tends to be a bit of a gap 
Um, you know, lots of young girls drop out of sport at a young age. Can you can you perhaps outline some of the main factors that govern uh, the difficulties around uh, kind of getting young women into sport? And don't be afraid to be too obvious here as well. Yeah, I mean, well, a lot of the research that's been done in kind of recent years has focused on kind of practical barriers. So, you know, things like kind of, you know, schools not offering the sports that girls want to do or you know, even kind of less kind of tangible things like, you know, the changing rooms not being particularly nice or kind of a school PE kit or something not being great or you know, uh, being kind of a longer walk for, for a girl to get to an after school club or something like that. But I think the intangibles are kind of quite often more of a barrier, kind of the ideas that this sport isn't appropriate for girls to do, for women to do. You'll have seen the This Girl Can advertising campaigns mm. um, over kind of recent years. So kind of when they first started, this idea that if you're sweaty, that's not feminine, that kind of thing. And I think these are still quite strong social stereotypes around women in sport. Um, you know, there's, there's obviously also the stereotype that, you know, a woman who is good at sport, you know, she's a lesbian. And I can see that putting off a lot of teenage girls when kind of one of the big things they want to do is get a boyfriend as well. So there's lots of crazy social stereotypes that stick around and that do put girls and young women and older women off being involved in sport you know obviously older women who might not have had the chance to let's say play football at school or play any team sport at school it's difficult to then go back and take it up it's more difficult for women in a way that isn't as difficult for men there's this kind of kind of expectation that men are always entitled to play whatever sport they want because it's this kind of masculine male domain it's more difficult for a woman to just suddenly make that decision and start doing a particular kind of sport yeah maybe you know a step aerobic class maybe go to zumba maybe go to the gym if it's a kind of not a weightlifting gym but doing sport doing something that makes you sweaty that gives you muscles that's going to uh, invoke some of these social stereotypes that might be something that puts women off and uh, that that's um that's kind of um an, an area I, w I wanted to ask you about as well i was struck by a piece that uh, sophie lawson wrote last year and sophie's been on this podcast a couple of months ago um and she wrote about the kind of the presentation of, of women footballers um mm -hmm. and she she spoke about the kind of the disney princesses in boots Yes. Um, thing that you get quite a lot mm. and she, her plea was for more imagery of women's footballers with bloody noses and muddy shorts and knee bandaging and you know it, we had that clip a month or so ago that went knee, don't talk about the kneecap don't yes. talk about the kneecap yes please don't and her kneecap and i'll trust that people <laughs> know enough uh from that i, I guess do you think uh, in terms of the actual media representation of women footballers are we doing enough to move away from that disnification and into that yes this is sport it's hard they get injured sometimes they dislocate their kneecaps and smack them back in um you know are, are we doing enough to present them um as you know elite athletes and not just you know lovely dainty disney princesses mm. who happen to be good at football 
It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because you know, Sophie's absolutely right, and obviously they had that that big link up with Disney for for a little this idea that um, you can tra- chase your dreams with you know be be a footballing princess, and you know that's fine if that's what you want to do. I think the important thing, actually, rather than moving away from that, is having a range of different identities. It's not just one kind of woman that plays football. Um, it's all kinds of women, and um, you can change how you look, you change how you behave. You know, you're a different person throughout your life things things change in your life you can look however you want and still play football I think that's really important to emphasize that football is for everyone and you know the FA have done their big advertising campaign about football being for all but I do think that there has been uh, let's say an effort in the media in recent years to present female footballers in a particularly feminine kind of way and this kind of shift towards saying, oh, look, look, they're just, they're just like normal people. They're not kind of big, tough, butch girls. They're not scary. They're not terrifying. And it's just, I don't know, it, it's really simplistic, I guess. This kind of either you're a big, scary, muscly, uh, terrifying footballer or you're a Disney princess in your boots. <laughs> Why do you have to be one or the other? Why don't you have a range of, of possibilities? Why can't these women just be who they are rather than what you expect them to be? Yeah, very much so. And um, and actually, an- another thing I, I wanted to come on to really was, I guess, the importance of of specifically of female footballers as role models because you know even this current generation of players I've, I've asked endless numbers of Arsenal players who their idols were growing up and Kim Little says it's Zinedine Zidane Vivian Miedema says it's Robin Van Persie mm-hmm. um, you know Leah Williamson is perhaps an exception here in her kind of uh, citing Kelly Smith but that's a fairly unique scenario because Leah was playing for Arsenal when Kelly was so that she, you know she had access to Kelly as it were and and I guess is there additional pressure on modern female players due to a lack of kind of archiving and documenting of of the history of of, of women's football Mm, I think that's a really interesting point. I think I think you're absolutely right that the archiving and documenting of women's football has been so lax. And yes, I mean the women I spoke to after you know, during this project, they invariably named male players as their own role models and talked about never having seen women's football on on the television as children. And that took me by surprise actually um, when I was first doing these interviews because I remember watching women's football on the television when when I. I was a kid on channel four but it was only kind of like once every year i guess it was just kind of like the the fa cup final i remember watching donny bells i remember watching kaz walker and i guess that kind of stuck in my mind i think maybe i made it bigger than it was because it was the first time that i'd seen it but these women who are maybe five ten years younger than me when i'm interviewing them they wouldn't have had this they're kind of in this kind of big lull this lack of media coverage of women's football and i'm absolutely not surprised that they they pick out male footballers as role models and they do talk about the fact they want to be the female role models for little girls that they never had themselves and it's not that i think that little girls necessarily have to pick out female players as role models Mm. but having that choice again to be able to watch women play football and think yeah i can do that i can be like her even if you also want to uh, have inspiration from a male player i think that's really key and uh, i given that this is ostensibly an arsenal uh, women's podcast I, I wanted to pick up on a particular specific example of alex scott who is mm. probably 
in English terms, possibly the most visible English women's footballer there has ever been um, at this stage, um, which is not to say she's the best necessarily, one of the best, but um, she's kind of, she's crossed over into, you know, she went into sports TV presenting, but now she's really crossed over into like light entertainment, doing stuff Mm. like Strictly Come Dancing. She did Sport Relief. And uh, I guess in that specific scenario and and assuming this becomes more and more of a kind of career path for for women's footballers when they finish their career is i guess what kind of and and i'll preface this by saying it's not alex scott's responsibility to to you know to uphold her uh you know to to be responsible for for what you know for being a, a specific footballer role model for young girls that's that's not that's not her responsibility but I guess the fact that she's crossed over into this kind of light entertainment sphere means that everyone knows who she is, but actually only a small percentage now of the people who know who Alex Scott is have actually seen her play football. Yeah. I guess, uh, what do you think about that in terms of her, not her value as a role model, but her as a role model, uh, potentially? Do, Do you think that now perhaps she's a bit dissociated from sport? I think perhaps she, yeah, perhaps she is. I think that's a really that that's a really another interesting point that you make. I mean, I, I hadn't actually made that connection before, but yes, I mean, she's been presented on say Strictly Come Dancing as a former footballer, but yeah, pretty much a you know very small percentage of the people who are watching her will have also watched her play football you know, in a way that you know if Gary Lineker presents something, everyone knows he's former England striker Gary Lineker, even if they didn't watch him play. Um, I wonder whether Alex is going to get known as sports presenter. Alex Alex Scott rather than former footballer Alex Scott because obviously that is kind of what's brought her to a greater profile is, is her punditry and, and her, her guesting on Strictly Come Dancing although I am really thrilled that she did that because she's been waiting kind of <laughs> yes. 15 years for it hadn't she? Yes so, so she got the shout in the end <laughs> and, and what about um, you know looking at another specific Arsenal example I guess um, Kelly Smith who mm. you know similar sort of era in fact slightly older than Alex um, but she seems to have really kind of um, penetrated and continues to exist as this kind of legendary former footballer and someone who is actually very well known for that. Um, what what is it about Kelly that you, that you think that that's really kind of endured? Um, what is it about her, like particularly from her generation? where like not a lot of the the players even the the really really good ones have kind of endured in the way that Kelly has yeah I think you're right there's a real myth around Kelly still and I think one of the fantastic things about her that has made her kind of more accessible and more promotable as this pundit and a role model um, is is she's so highlight reel worthy you can clip her stuff together and you can run that before introducing her and everyone's like wow even if they never watched it live that highlight reel kind of puts her into context so yeah i think there's still a kind of uh, sprinkling of magic dust over kelly smith i think that's a, a really cool thing that we still have anna I, I guess like the kind of the promotional activity as well that female players do um it's, it's still very intra-sport it's very focused on kind of girls football clubs training sessions signing autographic games and things like that and i mean and and that's really their value as as role models. But do you see a scenario perhaps where um, the game becomes big enough that we get perhaps the more um, regrettable side of role modelling that we see in in 
in kind of in men's football, i.e., plunging into private lives and you know long lens paparazzi and and stuff like that. Do do you think that that will ever happen in women's football? I mean, we've had a couple of like uh, very unpleasant kind of tabloidy kind of stories in the past few years. So you know, in in a way, we're heading that way. But I mean, I think the thing that worries me more than that is the expectation that female players are accessible sometimes makes things uncomfortable for them and you know i've you know i've heard people kind of say oh, I ge- i've actually genuinely heard someone say this they've mentioned a player and say she should be captain she always says hello to me <laughs> and they said absolutely seriously and there is always this expectation that female players should be nice they should stop and say hello and this kind of I think it partly it's because obviously women's football has historically been this kind of very small sphere. Um, everyone kind of knows everybody else. And there's this kind of expectation that everyone stops to say hi. And I kind of sometimes really wish female players would be given the space just to be able to ignore people, mm-hmm. to be able to kind of concentrate on their football without having to think about, have I got to go and take selfies after the game? Um, have I got to go and shake hands and put on a happy face and do smiling straight afterwards? I mean, you know, as well as I do, you know, when, you, when you're doing interviews straight after the game, it's right out there. It's right out on the pitch. There are fans standing there waiting for them to talk to them as well. And I think that might must be quite quite a pressured environment for them in a way that male footballers don't have. They get the chance to go back to the dressing rooms, have a shower, collect themselves before coming to a press conference or a mix zone. So I, I think actually there's more pressure on the women in some ways, not necessarily through having the media spotlight on them, but through fan expectation. I mean, we don't always ex- expect um, top male footballers to stop and say hello to us, although it would be nice if they did. But we do always expect these top WSL players to do the same. And uh, another angle I kind of want to pick up on um, before I let you go, Carrie, is uh, obviously we know that in women's football, um, there's there's lots of gay players, um, lots of gay couples um, as well. A lot of this is kind of very widely known, uh, whether it's kind of out in the public in the media or whether it's just kind of widely known in the game. And I guess, um, you know, is is there an additional, I, I'm not sure if I want to say pressure, but maybe expectation, like does that add another sphere to it that women's football is quite a rare, it's quite rare in that there's lots of openly, there's lots of openly gay footballers and mm. that, that's quite rare for any industry really. And does that add kind of another layer to this um, in terms of, I guess, in in terms of intrusion, um, but also, you know, maybe for like uh, young women watching who are also gay, um, you know, to to feel that kind of connection with players as, I guess, LGBT role models? Mm. Yeah, I think so. And I think one of the, I think it's one of the nicest things actually about about women's football is the fact that um, gay players do tend to be open about it they might not kind of give big interviews kind of revealing these things because it's already common knowledge they'll just talk about it casually it's you know that's my girlfriend you know that's you know that, that's just something that is absolutely normal and that is you know what everyone we, you know, we all know about it I think as you say that's quite unusual and not just in sport as, as you say in, in any industry it's really refreshing and I think it is absolutely vital um, that these women 
do have this space to talk about it, that it isn't kind of um, covered up by um, clubs or country trying to present these women as different kinds of role models, when, as you say, they're already important role models for um, young, gay, trans, lesbian, bisexual youth. And I think, yes, that is another really important aspect of them being role models. I guess as a kind of final question in closing, I'd I'd ask, it's maybe a bit of a difficult question, but whether... Uh, role modelling in women's football as we find it now is something that we we should aspire to keep in the game because really what we're talking about here is the need for it or the desire for it kind of rises from inequality um, really and do you think that as we move towards this utopia that will probably never happen in your lifetime or mine where there's complete gender equality and therefore there is no need for women's footballers to be role models anymore but even if we do move closer to that that kind of that utopia, do you think that this is something that makes women's football unique enough that that we should keep, or is it? I get. I guess what I'm asking is, is it fair, and is it something that actually arises out of a negative that we should look to move past, or is it something that even if that negative no longer existed, that we should look to keep in the women's game? Yeah. <laughs> As you say, difficult question to, to, to answer. I mean, I know th- it's probably not fair per se, but as I think I began by saying, it's something, this ro- this mantle of being a role model, whether it is to LGBT youth, whether it is to young female footballers, whether it's to someone overcoming their own challenges, whatever they may be, the opportunity to be a role model to women's footballers of this generation seems to be a huge honour and a privilege and something that they welcome, the fact that they can make a difference in people's lives. And I think that in any walk of life has to be welcomed. And yeah, I mean, I I would like women's football to continue to be something that leads the way in a lot of these these aspects. But uh, yeah, difficult to predict the future, but I would imagine things will stay the same and uh, for, for for the foreseeable future, let's say. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. Um, Carrie, thank you so much for your time. That was that was really really fascinating. Um, really enjoyed that discussion, and hopefully we'll have you again on the podcast very soon. I'd love to. Thanks very much. Okay, that was Carrie Dunn, and after the break, we will be hearing from Arsenal women's centre half Louise Quinn. Um, and we'll talk to Louise a little bit about role modelling um, as a women's footballer as well. Louise is someone who's very, very active in this space. But as much as I don't like to date these episodes, we are living in very strange times. So I also had a bit of a chat with Louise about what on earth uh, Arsenal players are doing at the moment since they're all housebound and what it's like to be a work from home footballer. So stay tuned for that after the break. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. 
so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Many thanks to Carrie Dunn for her time. As I said, we will hear from Arsenal centre-half Louise Quinn next. I just wanted to say, um, before we go into that interview, this was an interview I did have lined up in person. Um, I was going to meet Louise and and talk to her about this. Uh, But then, obviously, with the current situation, I had to go into self-isolation for seven days, so we couldn't meet in person. Um, But really, really grateful to Louise because she still made the time to do it over the phone. That does mean that occasionally the line goes a little bit 1960s European Cup commentary at points. It's still perfectly audible, uh, but the sound quality isn't as perfect as I would have liked. But in this scenario, needs must, as I'm sure we all know. So again, many, many thanks to Louise for taking the time out to speak to us. And here's that interview now in which I start just by asking her a little bit about what on earth the Arsenal players are doing at the moment because at the time of recording London Colney is closed the players are quarantined Um, so I just start off by asking her a little bit about how the players are coping with that particularly from a strength and conditioning point of view there's no yeah no trainings Um, you know and we've just been been sent um, individual uh, programmes right now where you know we all kind of are still on on standby and stuff like that you know, just for for whatever may happen or or what could happen, but um, but yeah, no. So for just for the moment, they're uh, you know the coaches are really they're trying to do everything they can, and the S and C's have been great, like you know sending us sending us programs and and just literally daily updates all the time about you know about what's any information they have, and then also just like checking in on everyone because it is it's a very uh, it's a very strange time and and as well for us. Um, you know, to to be away from from home and stuff like that, it's uh, yeah. you know, it's it's a it's a strange one at the moment. And but you know, and at the same time, though, everyone everyone's you know, we're all scattered from all over the place, and everyone's everyone's country is kind of dealing with this with differently at the moment. So yeah, it's just kind of taking us taking it day by day, really. And it, I, I guess at the moment there's no sense at all of when you can actually go back to Colney. I know, I know it's closed for a period of time, and I'm, I'm sure it will be closed for longer. But um, I, I guess there's, there's not really a sense of when you might be able to go back to training at the moment. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, it, it is, it is really day by day, and you know, and it's, and even, even at that, even kind of when they don't have much information, the club are still sending emails. Um. You know, just to just to kind of update people on you know, and that's and their emails that like that are going to everyone. So obviously the people that are that are working there, and um, you know, and so we're all getting kind of updates on on each other at the moment, which is you know, it's just it's just nice to hear that people are just checking in and that things are you know that they're just doing their best in in this you know crazy situation yeah because like from a fitness and conditioning point i mean it it's it must be close to impossible at the moment because you don't know when you're going to play a game again and um and and also like i understand for example that actually being too fit sometimes can affect your immune system which is obviously not ideal at the moment so what what does like a day look like at the moment for you purely in kind of 
um, strength and conditioning terms? Um, well, yeah, like so. Pers- like personally, anyway, it was um, the RDS, so, like the programs they've given us. You know, it is actually still so, like you know, slightly tailored to how we would have a training week as well. So they're just mm-hmm. you know trying to keep that routine, and um, you know of uh, you know train train on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, you know Saturday, and then yeah, and then just. Obviously, like some some sessions, maybe they're harder than they can. So you know, I suppose currently at the moment, it kind of just feels a bit like preseason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just like when you're when you're actually at home for like the summer break, I guess. Um, you know, doing a bit of preseason stuff that you do individually anyway. So you know, so that's kind of the the sense that I have from it at the moment, and you know, which which can sometimes be quite nice. You know, like training kind of in your own time and. This and the other, it does have it gives you that bit of sense of freedom for sure. Um, but yeah, but then obviously, when it comes to some of the strength work, obviously makes it far more difficult. Yeah. Um, you know, not being able to get to the gyms and stuff, but you know, I, I have a little bit of equipment at home, and you know, there is there is still so much you can do, but you know, that's it. We're, we're, we're on that tree, um, you know, quite like uh, you know, fit, fit people want to stay fit, yeah. but. You know, again, this is such a tough situation that yeah, you know, people's yeah, people's football fitness is just naturally going to is naturally going to kind of um, you know fall away. But I'm sure, kind of in the you know when the time is right for us to be able to you know to train again and get back on the pitch, you know, I'm sure we'll be given a time as well to kind of you know yeah build up build up that fitness again. And- um, and for you as yeah. well, I mean, obviously a lot of people in a lot of professions are dealing with this um, situation at the moment where all of a sudden they might be working from home and kind of detached from their teams and their colleagues. And for a football team, that must be um, especially kind of difficult or strange because you have such a camaraderie. I, I understand in, in your um, scenario, you live with Pauline Peyro-Mannion, right? Yeah, yeah. And... and and so uh, I guess that kind of that, that social distancing, the the phrase at the moment, is is that difficult for you as well? And how, you know, how, um, how I guess, are you and Pauline helping each other um, through this, both socially and in terms of the kind of fitness side of it? Um, yeah, so we, um, yeah, we're just, we're just trying to be, obviously, yeah, just like really kind of, you know, open and honest. We've had, we, you know, we, we have a really... I've always really liked our kind of living situation. You know, we have a great relationship, and you know, also we then have to see each other twenty four seven, so we know and you know give give that bit of space as well. Obviously, this is uh, yeah. Again, this is probably don't have any time to say it. This is a bit mad, but yeah, you know, we're we're just we're just we're just helping each other right? and 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 chatting to each other, and then obviously it's, it's hard enough to have a situation, but then we you know we then have had some weird conversations that make no sense but then that's also perfect just to try to off um, and and you know it was it was Pauline's birthday yesterday so obviously that was you know that was that was a tough one but we just you know we stayed in we uh, you know and just kind of like yeah celebrate together and, and movies and TV programs and yeah you know and, and getting a bit of food and stuff like that so it's been uh, yeah and it's, and it's just going to kind of yeah, you know, keep going. I'm sure we're going to get creative. I feel like we are going to start, uh, you know, ordering a bit more kind of gym equipment stuff. Mm. Um, one of the main ones being, I think, boxing gloves and pads. So that'll be interesting. <laughs> um, 
we're just gonna yeah we're just gonna get creative and you know we know we've just got to you know this this thing you know me and her we've got to get each other through it um, you know because we we're gonna go through it together regardless so you know we've just got to to yeah just be really honest with each other and and just kind of and get through it and then hope that we can you know yeah get get back on the pitch obviously just like literally you know waiting for that text each morning just to be yeah. like oh the ground cut open or something or you, you just don't know but obviously you know how things are going it, it seems it might get yeah like a, a bit worse before it gets better and um, but yeah you know as long as we can there's still that, that chance for us to get out in, in a bit of fresh air I think that's kind of what's going to be so important we're used to doing it every day getting out in the fresh air exercise and training so um you know that's going to be that's going to be something for us. But yeah, yeah. There's no, there's, uh, there's no better one to be stuck in self isolation. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. yeah. True. I um, uh, you know, I I usually don't like to date these episodes too much, but uh, as you say, this is such a mad situation. I, I couldn't not ask you about that stuff. But mm-hmm. um, to kind of move the conversation on and and back into the kind of um the theme of the podcast really, um, which is role modelling uh with women footballers, and I've spoken with you about this before, and it's something that you obviously take very very seriously. And and just as a kind of first question. Um, you know, you're, you're involved with a lot of initiatives kind of aimed at increasing female, like particularly young female participation in women's sport. C- can you just talk maybe a little bit, first of all, about the, the Can't See, Can't Be campaign, which you're very involved in, and uh, the Girls Kicks programme, which, which you launched a couple of weeks ago? Um, yeah, so for the, um, for the uh, 20 by 20 initiative, um, you know, yeah, and, and the main hashtag kind of being can't see, can't be. It is a, uh, it's just been a, a, an initiative that's just been to, yeah, like grow women's sports in terms of um, participation, uh, media coverage and attendance. Um, and, you know, that's participation across the board. It could be obviously coaches, um, referees, volunteers, and, you know, and that's, men and women to you know if they can somehow get involved in women's sports you know that's that's you know that's what we want and obviously then it's uh, 20 by 20 so that coming this year I'm sure there'll be a lot more figures that will come out they want to increase by 20% um, yeah and so it's just been it's just been incredible and something that I've um, yeah been been so so proud of obviously there's so many things I've I've had the, the privilege of doing on the pitch and um, you know playing with the national team and, and playing on the uh, you know with Arsenal and you know but this is something that I'm incredibly proud of that I can you know try really affect off the pitch and, and hopefully try influence you know people girls boys men women to you know to go and uh, and just get involved in women's sports more and, and you can just see it it's a constant it's every day you're seeing you know it's, it's really great across uh, the social media channels um, you know where people are really just taking it seriously and, and loving loving what it's doing and it's giving people um, yeah something to, to work same towards and, and you know I, I'm not sure if there's any you know if there's any person out and I haven't heard of of, of this point by time to um, you know in- <laughs> and um, you know going, going back to perhaps when you were playing when you were younger um you know did you have 
um, any kind of female footballers as role models or, or, or female athletes as role models when you were growing up or um, you know I, I've spoken to a lot of uh, a lot of players in the team about this I know I've asked Kim about this and she said Zidane was her idol growing up um, and you know a, a lot of the players kind of refer to men's footballers because those were the only real role models they had was was that um, similar for you or did you have or did you manage to find female uh, athlete role models when you were growing up um, yeah you know it was definitely I, I, I would say that there were um, by far more male footballers that I, that I knew more about um, and that I that I followed and that I you know absolutely loved watching and and uh, you know and, and beat them up so much alone being one of the main ones um, you know absolutely just was well, yeah I was a bit obsessed with him and you know I just I just loved him as a player and um, but then you know I, I was I was I was very lucky in uh, yeah, you know in in Ireland my, you know my mum loves to watch sport and you know a lot of them she loves track and field athletics so Sonia O'Sullivan and mm-hmm. um, you know, she was she she loves watching tennis as well. So, you know, definitely would have been you know so used to seeing the Williams sisters, the likes of like Lindsay Davenport and stuff back in the day, Kim Cloisters, you know, all of all of these kind of just great um yeah, great female athletes and you know, and then it, it finally did come to it more kind of yeah, in my teenage years then when, when the FA books started just, you know, coming on the on the T V and Thankfully, a lot of the time, um, you know, Arsenal was in the final, so we got to like see our, uh, you know, see our Irish, you know, our our Irish players there, you know, on the TV, knowing that they're, you know, Arsenal players that play for the Irish national team. So obviously, Emma Byrne, Yvonne Tracy here, and Fahey, you know, they they really did, you know, set that set that sort of pathway for us, and that was. You know, that was always a given that I was that I was definitely I was watching um, you know, the FA Cup in that time. But you know, but I, I, I needed more and I probably you know, I, and I wanted more probably when I was younger, but at the same time as long as there's kind of someone there, but you know, so be it be it male or female, just role models are incredibly important. But now it's coming to a stage now where you know, the amount of, of female athletes and what they what they do in their day to day life and what they do in the sport life, they they are incredible and inspiring and you know, we we I think as as these athletes have a yeah, have a have a duty to want to, you know, to be those role models and show that yeah, any you know, anything is possible and that you can just get out there and do it. and I just think it's really positive that, you know, that there are, you know, more of those females being given you know, given that that uh, that line might be able to show and, and see what they're, what they're really made of. Yeah, and that that kind of really neatly brings me on and partially answers actually my my next question is that something that strikes me about you, Louise, is that you you're still very keen to shine a light on female athletes from across sports. You know, on your social media, um, you know, always kind of championing, particularly Irish women um, in in any sport who are who are doing anything. Um, that kind of that that needs a light shining on it. W- would you say that there's a like a really conscious sense of solidarity among female athletes? Yeah, ab- like absolutely. Um, you know, and it's and I think that's it's something that I yeah that, that I love doing. I've now made you know I've now made you know like new 
new mates for all of this, maybe sometimes just through social media, but then, you know, there's some of them then that I would then maybe meet at an event or at something and, you know, it, we're just like, it, it's really just like we know each other and that we, you know, that we just both understand kind of what's, you know, the hard work that, you know, that, that female athletes have to go through. Not in terms, you know, we we all train hard, we we work just as hard as, as men athletes, but we, you know, we've got to work that extra bit hard to try mm. People think they get to, to watch us, you know, watch us play our sport more and to, you know, take it more seriously, get that interest there. So then there's investment in it and, and sponsorships and, you know, just to create the best pathway, um, you know, that we can that we can for ourselves, but then for obviously who's to who's to come after us. So um, yeah, and it's just something I just I just love keeping up to date now with you know with with all the sports, and I have a I have a genuine interest in. You know, in in so much more now that's that's going on, and, and I like I I just love it. I enjoy it so much. You know, seeing and hearing what's you know what's going on, and then you know crossing paths with some of some of these people because I've been very lucky now to meet some some amazing athletes that I, that I never would have that I never would have uh, have met before. So it's um yeah, it's something that it's not you know it's that I've been kind of given an ambassador role or. Yeah, you know, it's, it's been told to the world, like, I, I want to do it, and I love doing it, and, um, you know, so it's just been something so positive uh, for me as well. And uh, does, does the kind of the role modelling side for you, is that something that comes really naturally to you and your personality, or is that something that at an early stage you made an explicit decision to engage with? Um... I'm not sure. I think it was probably yeah, a bit of both. Maybe a few years ago. I think it was so when I you know at my time in in Sweden, there was definitely a massive. Um, you know, I think I think I really even started to realise it more that this is that this is so just so important to um, you know to, to show ourselves and you know and we did that and we we created such a buzz you know in in that in our city um, you know in Eskilstuna. It was a really you know. A relatively a, a small city, and you know everything. There wasn't at the time not many supporters were coming to the game, and this that, and the other. And you know by the end of it, we had six thousand coming to the game, and you know the we were so well known in the community, and that was because we did represented ourselves, you know, so well, and and made you know made the made the city very proud, and what you know and, and played some great football as well. So it was. Um, it was all everything was was all in turn so um yeah i think that definitely kind of you know brightened up for me and then and then also with the with the national team you know we're really trying to to qualify finally for our first you know our our first tournament and um you know and we you know we fought for ourselves you know three years ago now as well and yeah you know so you want you want to keep that going that can't that can't stop that wasn't just uh they will do a little, you know, a little kind of protest and, and see how it goes. No, we've got to continue it. We've got to, we've got to prove our point that if you know if this, if this team gets invested in and if people get invested in this, you know, we can get places and and it's and it's really starting to show now. So, um, you know, it it, it comes from yeah other people's support and, and and all that stuff. But also, you know, it's it's all personal as well, and you can see it at the girls. That, you know, where where there's an opportunity to yeah be to be that role model or to you know to hang around after games and, and get a picture or sign an autograph you know we're more than more than happy to do it.
yeah. yeah and and i guess like as a kind of final question what i what i'm kind of um I'm curious about myself as, as someone i guess who who can't relate because i've got privilege written through me like a stick of rock um is is the kind of the extent to which um like this is because i know like some uh players will consider this a privilege because effectively right it's extra work that we're asking of, of female footballers because nobody asks uh, male footballers yes they're asked to be role models but nobody asks them to kind of inspire the next generation because it's like it's a given that young boys will play sport and continue to play sport in a way that perhaps it isn't for young girls and effectively it's almost like an invisible labour that we're asking of, of female athletes and I'm sure there are some um, you know you strike me as someone who really really takes to it and I'm sure there are some who kind of don't and just who probably even privately think do you know what I'd really like to go training go home play the game go home and just live my life normally without this kind of additional um, you know this additional kind of I guess burden of being being a role model but um, and you know speaking as someone from your perspective who, who regards this as I guess a bit of maybe a privilege maybe something that they really like about being a female athlete what what are your kind of thoughts on that um based on your experiences with with other teammates to i guess to what extent is this a bit of invisible labor but to what extent is it a bit of a privilege as well as a, as a female footballer if that makes sense um well yeah you know i think i think i have been you know i suppose lucky enough i from from my point of view, I've, I'm very lucky from both teammates. You know, with with Arsenal, the Irish team, I think it's you know everyone everyone is willing to yeah you know give give their time when they can. Obviously, some days it just you know after after certain games, you never know someone you know someone may have had a you know a, a bad game or isn't or isn't feeling great, and sometimes maybe just need to go straight into the dressing room. But that's you know, but this is where again it's the it's the team. It's a it's a team sport, so we're all going to you know, we have to we have to carry this load together. And as you say, it's you know, and it and it is something you know for I think for us, it it is a, a bit of extra extra hard work. And we know that we have to we maybe think we should not do it because then yet yeah, the the men have to. But this is this is the time that we are at at the moment in our careers, and this is you know we are doing this to to then make it you know, make it easier and better for, for young girls that are that are going to come through now. Um you know, and, and sometimes it is maybe sometimes people that, you know, I'm I would then obviously be quite, you know, social media active about these things. But I would you know, I would never expect all my teammates to kind of do that either. And mm. you know, they do a lot of their role modelling on the pitch. Um, you know, and that's it and that's just it just how you represent yourself then as a person and a player on the pitch. That can do it just as well. You know, there's um, that would it it just it comes it comes and goes. You know, you can even see obviously you're referring to it like maybe between Messi and Ronaldo. Messi, he's you know hardly ever in the headlines or doesn't do too too many interviews or or this that and the other. And then you know Ronaldo does a few more something you know those sort of things. Mm. But but you know they are both incredible role models in in their own way and. You know, so a lot of the stuff is that we you know, we want it to be actually what just happens on the pitch as well as as well as anything. So, to me, there's you know across the board, I'm you know very lucky to have a lot of uh, 
teammates are so willing to get involved as well. You know, I, I do ask a lot of my Irish teammates as well about the kind of twenty campaign and just mm. they can help along with teams, you know, and they're just always they're always willing and and you know, to do that. So it's it's all you know, it's all it's all in term. We all um you know, we all we all work hard. We want we want the best for for our sport and, and where it can go and and what it can do. And um, you know, I'd say it has a what would it be like a hard made if I even think of the same hard made stone if you you know, if you if you didn't want to bring this game further or to you know, to try to try and inspire someone and the fact maybe that it's they're not putting it on, on social media or you don't see it here and there, you know, it's it's I'm I'm pretty certain it's it's uh, definitely happening. Um you know, regardless, and you know, that's, you know, we're very, very proud of my teammates, and those, you know, I, I find them role models as well. I'm looking at some of them, you know, they have to go through the re, like their rehab in the gym or yeah. what they're doing with their national teams, and I'm like, you're class. Like <laughs> you, you, you know, they like people do like I anger a little bit even with my own teammates because yeah. they're just great. But you can't, uh, you can't deny that, and I, you know, I, and I like to recognize that and you know and, and i'll tell them as well you know that excellent you know when i really think they do that so um yeah no i think we're we're very lucky and, you know we're all very well of our you know our, our roles on and off the pitch as well and and in that spirit louise I'll, I'll tell you that i think you do a brilliant job um at that as well and anyone who goes to Borehamwood and sees the amount of time you guys spend after the final whistle um with supporters as well would absolutely vouch for that louise thank you so much um for your time i'm really really grateful i will let you get back to um your exercise bike or your gym <laughs> mat, um or whatever else and hopefully really soon see you at Borehamwood. yeah hopefully really have something and that's all we've got time for on this edition of the Arsenal Women Askcast. Huge thanks to our guests again, Dr. Carrie Dunn and Arsenal defender Louise Quinn. We will have another episode, we think quite quickly after this, um, because let's face it, we're all housebound at the moment. So sitting on Skype um, and talking about the Arsenal women's team, um, easy enough at the moment, even though there aren't any games to speak of. Um, and also we didn't get round to doing a February episode. Apologies for this. This is largely because they kept calling the fucking games off, which made it very difficult to do the interviews that I wanted to do. Um, and obviously that's more of um, an indefinite problem for the foreseeable future. That that won't affect the output too much, though. We've got some ideas that um, really don't require us to be at the games to do interviews. Um, so we might have a few more telephone interviews and things like that. Um, but nevertheless, we will keep the content coming, even in this enforced period of absence for the Arsenal women. Really, really hope that you enjoyed this episode and we'll have my usual co-host Pippa back on the next episode as well. Um, hope you will keep safe and health to all of you and your families and we will speak to you next time on the Arsenal Women Askcast.
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 